I'm Ryan Walters, that other podcast host that you hate the most, and you're listening to the Hidden Oaks Overdose Football Fix. That is correct. It is July 24th, 2023, 7.51 p.m. I'm just roughly practicing. This isn't like an official, official open, but I need to remember how to do this. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Hidden Oaks Overdose Football Fix podcast. I am one of your lovely hostesses, the Garlic Johnson. We are joined, as always, by our other lovely hostess, the Josh and Mitchell. Josh, say hi to the folks out there. Hi, folks. Nailed it. Um, we appreciate everyone who participates with us, with us in our Discord. It's a, It can be a lively bunch, and it will only kick up as the football season draws near, um, and dear for some of us at least, but uh, we do greatly appreciate people who chat along with us in the Discord. Josh, how ye darn? I darn. How darn? I'd say I'm darn pretty good. Um, it's, I don't even remember the date of our last podcast, but it's been at least a month, maybe a little bit over a month. Um, but I think in that time, I've joined the softball league um, I the, and the team, I guess. I've become one of the more prolific bats and the least pro- prolific glove on the entire team. Not a bad combination. Well, that's debatable. All right. One of the least prog- uh, prolific gloves. How about that? There bottom, we go. bottom three? Okay. Uh, I would say bottom... You're kind of in the mix for bottoms 10. <laughs> well, I appreciate that with all uh, 12 of us on the team. Um, but yeah, what's been going on in your life the past month, Josh? Obviously, you have a child and you work a full-time job. So, you know, these aren't the days where things were moving and grooving and, you know, super high excitedness, excitingness. Um, but um, what have you been up to the past month or so so the people know? Well, been putting the hours in the in the fantasy football research um got a whole lot of time on my hands when it comes to that um people say having a kid's busy it's not um it's it's pretty simple i advise everybody to go out and buy one or two um the whole softball thing yeah i'm, I'm happy on the team just so you can witness some of the things that nikita and i are talking about when it comes down to um why oncoming traffic is so appealing on sunday <laughs> evenings after we play Josh. um yeah um i i do think that it's my time to put in my application for the uh the um a pitcher not that casey did a like she had a rough night last night and she's usually better than that but um i'm ready to come out of retirement and uh dust off that old golden glove on the mound when was the last time you pitched regularly don't ask that question. Okay. Um, let's just just know that I could blow a candle out without knocking the candle over, throwing that, a softball. That's pretty impressive. I got to give it to you, Josh. Uh, no, I've, I've I've pitched once or twice. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think the only reason Bradley would complain about that is because we play co-ed, for the people who don't know. And um, Bradley would complain, oh, that's one of the women's positions, but... I don't know. That's why men pitch on every other team that we play against. But, you know, hey. <laughs> don't, hey, hey, don't look at me. Okay. This is what Bradley says. Um, and he is currently the owner player coach. Okay. But it sounds like people are coming for his throne. Um, anywho, so you're doing good. That's good. I'm doing good as well. Um, you ready to get into it or do you have any other sound bites other than that fucking, uh, sorry, now I remember what I want to say. That's that ump from the, our second game. He would not call anything a fucking strike. Dude, that was brutal for Casey. Like I know she may or may not have struggled a bit. Not that I definitely would have done worse, but that ump was not giving us any leeway at all. Everything was a ball. At least two or three of their batters would just stand there. They had no intention of swinging. They just held the bat. It was kind of annoying. Yeah. No, it gets to the point like, 
Um, Nikita and I talked a little bit about it, and I have my thoughts on it. Like, yes, um, you want, you kind of want to play to the strengths. Like, the most important position in kind of this league is going to be pitcher because as long as the ball gets put in play, the odds are you're hoping somebody can make a catch. You can, you know, make a play somewhere. Um, but if you walk people, especially guys, they go straight to second. And then a girl can go to one. And they scored of their 18 runs or whatever. I think they got 10, 11, 12 of them on just walks alone, which you can't have. So it's like once that kind of... And then obviously, like you said, that ump strike zone was tight. So you got to switch it up. Just get Casey, you know, some breathing, uh, a chance to breathe so she's not in her head next week like a toyga um but yeah that was brutal and but we only scored like one run ourselves so it's not like we would have done whoa, much whoa, we it. scored three okay anywho all right you ready to get into the show it's already yeah. been five minutes somehow um uh, at least five minutes of recorded time all right well josh this is another loosey-goosey podcast um although the preseason schedule is upcoming i wanted to date that out before the show but i forgot but i think mid-august usually is when we start going with our weekly roughly weekly schedule and then before you know it, we'll be back in the swing of things training camps are already starting um i don't think they've all started yet but certainly rookies are reporting and some training camps i think are underway anyways football is on the horizon josh so i know um we're all kind of feeling it here we're all starting to get the itch um but i think a great thing that kind of supplemented that itch or gave us you know scratch that itch for a little bit a couple weeks ago was that quarterback show that came out on netflix followed kirk cousins patrick mahomes and marcus mariota um i think everyone kind of agrees it was a good show um for me i wish the show would have gotten a little bit more behind the scenes and less game recappy but i understand why they had to do it they're trying to make a show for a more general audience um but I think the the show's got pretty good reviews. I don't know about you know critical acclaim or not. I, mean, I don't know what the critics say, but I don't know if I care what they say. But how have you felt about the show? Yeah, I think you've watched you know most of the episodes, six or seven of the eight. Um, so I guess what are your impressions? What are your thoughts? How do you feel about the quarterback show on Netflix? Yeah, I feel like it, like you said, it's a little bit too recappy at times. Um, I think they did a good job of producing it though, showing a little bit more um, of the the off the field life. For- some of the guys um but then they also i don't want to say they painted some of them in a negative light but i don't i don't know just it seems i'm not complaining it's hard to say because it, to me it came off as patrick mahomes got the has that egotistical look but then I, I, I try to think of it as both sides like are they asking him questions and the reason he's saying i did this or i'm doing this or um it's me that does this is is he answering it that way because he's asked the question off camera and then he's responding and that's what they're showing so it's it's just kind of like well is he or is he does he actually go around saying i'm doing or i did this i'm this good um but uh i don't know and then kirk obviously didn't get any benefits from uh getting like all of his game recaps were him getting sacked it seemed uh, the only <laughs> the only saving grace for him is is that it showed that he's genuine in everything that he does and i could not be happier um to say that I am now a Kirk Cousins fan, not a Vikings fan, but a Kirk Cousins fan. Okay, so, we'll take it. So I'm 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 on that train. I've got my got my Coles cash, and I'm ready to go. Sure, and I think that um, 
I mean, obviously, you and I both know the most about Kirk Cousins just based on our proximity and living in the state of Minnesota. But, I mean, I guess I appreciate that more people are seeing that now because I think people like me who sit there and they'll watch every post-game interview, they'll watch all the stuff with Kirk. Um, we kind of know that's kind of how Kirk already is, or at least I did. Like, I guess I wasn't really overly surprised by anything in the show, but I appreciate that that was brought to much a larger audience because I think, for whatever reason, Kirk always did get such a bad rap. And I think it's because Kirk is probably at his ceiling most of the time, and his ceiling is more so that top 10 but not higher than top eight type quarterback sometimes um he's above the dalton line but not much higher you know so like he's at his ceiling which is above average um most times but um you know not great certainly not prolific um not not uh like i don't know i don't think kirk would ever be a hall of famer by any means people like philip rivers are better than him and you know philip i don't think will be a hall of famer unless it's like 30 40 years down the road so he's just kind of one of those players who's at his ceiling um but i appreciate that more people got to see how genuine he is because i think that's something that's come off a lot i know you said you were gonna you're gonna write him some fan mail we saw in one of the episodes that kirk writes a lot of fan or you know replies to fan mail did i did you hone in on the message you want to send yet Uh, i've got kind of a general general outline going um it is going to be in crayon um, and it is going to be written with my right hand, so it looks so it has a little bit more opportunity to get past that initial filtering process because I have a hard time believing that that guy only gets like six letters in the mail. Oh, for sure, um, no shot. So they definitely filter that through, and they want the they want the ones uh, to tug on the heartstrings. So I'm definitely going to do the right hand, non-dominant writing hand in crayon, and I'm going to save it for the very bottom line. P.S. I'm 32. Um, <laughs> And then, but yeah, no, I mean, it's going to definitely mention, you know, I shop at Kohl's, think I could be a quarterback in the NFL, um, you know, that sort of thing. Okay. Um, and then, so I also wanted to go back to your point about Patrick Mahomes, because I mean, again, you said that he was maybe painted in an egotistical light. I guess I don't feel like watching it. I got that much of a vibe of that, um, but I can see where that can come from. And I agree with your point as someone who watches a lot of reality TV as well. Producers shoot a shit ton of footage and then they can kind of cut it up however they want. So, I mean, people could be giving an answer and they can certainly make it look a certain way. Or if they just add like some subtle undertone music, whether that's positive or, you know, more negative music, or they can, they can, you you can do a lot of things to change the tone or change the attitude or change the emotions through TV just with a, you know with some good editing. So you know I can understand why you feel like maybe it was manipulated a bit, but also I think you know with any sort of you know star sports star and you know he came into the league. Um, you know, you only get drafted if you're a really good college player, and then he has gone on to win two Super Bowls since. Throughout the show, we watched his journey to winning his second Super Bowl, and we saw definitely some clips of him on the field, which I know is when you're at your most emotionally high state, all the emotions are flowing. But he would just sit there and jump up and down and scream, "That's what I do! That's what I do! That's what!" So I mean, there's there's certainly some sort of ego involved, um, you know, off or on camera. But I, I think that kind of comes with the territory of being literally one of the best athletes in the world, arguably the most talented quarterback. Um, we're one of the most talented quarterbacks in the league right now, so um, I think I think there is some ego to it. But he seemed, I don't know, mostly humbleish to me, but humble relative to being a multi multi millionaire and uh, living a lifestyle that I'll never understand. So that's interesting. Um, I guess if you don't have any other Patrick Mahomes notes, I can move on to Marcus Mariota. But I was curious uh, if you had anything else you thought about Patrick throughout the show. Uh, no, no, I don't. I, I was just, I got really excited whenever I saw Andy Reid show up on camera. 
Absolutely, dude. Andy Reid. I'd love to. They should do head coaches as a show and let's show us Andy Reid. Uh, moving on to Mariota, the third quarterback who we haven't talked much about yet. What did you feel about him? You and I, I noticed it. I think I don't know if it was in the Discord or just in a conversation we had in person, but Marcus Mariota did look like he was graying, unfortunately, or at least the lighting they had always put on him was very unflattering because um, his hair did start to get that salt and pepper look. And I think Marcus Mariota is younger than I am, so that's tough. Um, and I'm still in my 20s technically so you know what did what did you think about Marcus Mariota of course they pick the cast before the season you know he's kind of one of those more bubble guys you know Patrick Mahomes was top of the league Kirk Cousins was middle of the league Marcus Mariota more so bottom of the league fighting for a job but he was a starter at the start of the season so what did you feel about his journey um, I mean I thought they did the best like as far as just showing it it's kind of what they expected they because the introduction i guess they probably filmed the introduction after everything was done so peyton had an idea of kind of how to introduce them but right we all knew that Mariota was kind of the, that gap quarterback when they had ritter on the team um i thought they did a good job showing like his off the field stuff they they kind of went into the whole like when they played the news clips of him missing time with the team because he got benched they went into showing that he was actually at rehab for his knee because it had been bothering him and so um you know it wasn't i thought that it was all right obviously is he gonna want to be on camera if they're cutting him or like they're not he's not gonna i think they showed a picture of him in the delivery room but they're not gonna bring the cameras in the delivery room of his wife and so yeah he had a lot of off the field stuff going on that probably wasn't the best for television so yeah i mean do you think we've seen the last of Mariota? you know barring some um you know some injury and he's the backup on a team do you think we've seen the end of Mariota's starter days at least from uh you know from a planning standpoint again like if he's the backup on the team and the you know the primary goes down potentially but do you think marcus will ever be seen as a starter again or probably not after that yeah, i don't know yeah he's probably not going to get a, a geno smith resurgence anywhere okay uh, but I do see, yeah, he he might he might be like a uh, like the backup kind of role for a while. The Ryan Fitzpatrick have an opportunity to take a starter if the team gets a rookie that isn't living up to the hype. Sure. Okay. Um, yeah, I guess I don't have too much else to say about the show in general. I did appreciate that it was like kind of three very different journeys. Kirk Cousins has been in the league a long time. Mahomes, five years. Mariota, similar, you know, a little bit longer than the Mahomes, but, you know, three very different places, three different team skill levels, all this and that, even if the Vikings did get, you know, one less win or two less wins than the Chiefs or whatever it was. But um, I appreciated the kind of the, the difference between the three. And just one other thing I really appreciated about the show was that um, kind of the very first shot the opening shot of the show which you know you looking back you can see obviously it was sort of the time i didn't think about it the opening scene of the show is kirk cousins just like sitting in his house snows on the ground so there's a little bit of foreshadowing if you want to think about the time of year but snows on the ground and kirk cousins just sitting there reading a book to his kid you don't think much of it you just think hey there's a background shot kirk cousins sitting at home reading his kid a book kirk cousins doing dad things he is a dad he's got two three kids i forget what it is but um two kids three it doesn't matter anyways and that's yeah, and that's how and that's how just how the show opens. You're like, okay, here's just some background, you know, on Kirk. And then you find out in I think episode six, episode seven, they cut back to Kirk, and you realize that's Kirk sitting at home, being a super chill dad, just trying to be a good dad. And that's the night we lost in the playoffs to the Giants. And so I just think that's a beautiful way of showing, like in the beginning, there's like, here, hey, here's human Kirk just doing dad human things. And then you find out, you know, eight episodes later. 
or seven episodes later, like, hey, this was Kirk being a dad, being super chill, humble, whatever, just being a normal human, right after he took a devastating playoff loss. And so I just thought that was a cool, like, I don't know. I thought that was a cool bit. But, um, but yeah, we can move on. Um, one other thing with quarterbacks I wanted to talk about was the quarterback position. I think I had seen a Reddit article or a Reddit link, whatever, a story on Reddit maybe a week or two ago about how last year the trend was most winners. They had some stats. I don't remember what they are. It's not really important to the talking point, but most winners in ESPN or most winners in sleeper, like the a good chunk of champions from last season had either Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, or Jalen Hurts on their team. And those were, you know, three of the best quarterbacks last year from a fantasy perspective and real football perspective. But, you know, for so long, people have been punting on the quarterback position. But now we're trying to see a much more large tier break, if you will. Like the the old adage used to always be, just, you know, punt on a quarterback when you're drafting if you're a season pro. There's not big of a difference between quarterback three and quarterback 13. You know, it doesn't really matter. You can wait. But now, you know, at least with, you know, it's only one year of data. But now it definitely seems that, at least based on last year, having one of those top tier quarterbacks that you spend a second or a third round pick on, they really make a difference in winning or losing um so you know trends won't shift super suddenly i don't expect to see a big change to adp this year but do you think we'll start to see a trend in quarterbacks becoming more important again and getting drafted higher again or do you think that might just be an outlier year in the data i was curious what you thought about that well i i see i guess i was thinking like when when looking at it yeah those three are probably those three might end up being like first two or three rounds um, I would not be surprised if all three of them were gone by the third round, uh, just because of last season. I mean, I took Allen in the second. I had Hertz in Dynasty. I didn't win either of those leagues, so I don't know where you found these trends. Um, <laughs> but I think that sorry, Josh, I think that we're definitely more closely next time. Kind of, kind of uh, shifting into the next bullet point that I see there. The um, I think that like we're gonna see a lot more leagues with wider like six wide receivers seven wide receivers eight wide receivers in that first round as opposed to running backs um i think that that shift is going to happen and it's going to happen drastically um especially i mean ppr leagues that's how it should be in the first place i will always argue that standard leagues though um it, it's it's definitely uh i don't i don't see the running back being as uh, much of a gotta get in the first second third overall pick sure Okay, so just to keep it on quarterbacks for just a second, that you don't think kind of how those. I mean, again, that's just some stat I saw. What it, what exactly was doesn't matter. But you don't think that's going to influence anything you do next year? Do you? I guess do you see, like, if that trend continues, maybe for two or three years, do you think you could start taking quarterbacks more early? I know you already said you took Josh Allen second round last year, um, but do, could you see yourself doing it, or do you think that you're kind of already programmed to be the you know more so punt on the quarterback position mostly type of guy? I know you kind of let the draft board fall to you like most most people do but do you think you'll be you'll still keep the mindset or do you think if it stays up for another year or two you think you could see yourself going targeting quarterbacks earlier and earlier mm, I, I don't know i don't think i'm gonna take yeah i'll probably just keep it as how i've done it and kind of let see how it falls i like to do the whole value-based draft strategy so if there's a good value at the quarterback position in my draft spot then sure i'll take quarterback uh but i'm not gonna I'm not going to go out there and see the run quarterbacks and and grab them, or I'm not going to try and be the first one off the board. If you know I have an early pick in round one and Mahomes drops me late round two, yeah, I'll probably grab him. Or Hurts drops me late round two, yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm not going to go out of my um, comfort zone to take a quarterback early because that's just kind of how the championships have been, I guess. 
Sure. Yeah. And I think most people will ultimately always operate on their own experience. Uh, but I know some people really like to stat mine and see what they can find in the stats and see what the trends are, try to be ahead of the curve, so to speak. So, you know, everyone kind of does it differently, but I definitely thought that that was a very interesting anecdote or not anecdote, but statistic that, um, you know, a lot of champions last year had one of those top three quarterbacks. So it'll be interesting to see whether it's in our leagues or just how we, you know, how we ingest other media. If, um, if that becomes more of a trend and, you know, we can see it through ADP and our rankings and all these other things, but we did never asked her we never answered al's question from earlier so let's do that first before we move on so al asked us in the chat and i'm sorry al that we're getting to it now way out for the quarterback section but Al will listen to the whole thing probably um but al asked us based going back to the netflix show the quarterback show what do you or who do you think would be three quarterbacks that'd be really interesting to watch next year and i can actually i can probably edit this and just cut this back in so hello past us it's future us cutting in um for just a second here but josh we're here to answer who would be three quarterbacks that would be very interesting to follow in the quarterback show for next season and season two um who would be three quarterbacks you'd like to follow um well future josh is mad at past josh for not bringing a snack um, <laughs> down to the podcast um but i would say i guess off the top of my head if i were to kind of go with the same sort of kind of cookie cutter template that they had not cookie cutter but template that they had where it's like an established quarterback or a, a younger stud and then kind of a fringe quarterback I would go with something like maybe um, Joe Burrow, Baker Mayfield, and Lamar Jackson, or you know Joe Burrow. I think I mean you got to get Joe Burrow in there somewhere because he's he would be like the Patrick Mahomes. Baker Mayfield kind of takes on that Mariota role down in Tampa. Um, but then if you want a more established quarterback, I mean yeah, like Lamar. Um, I I don't even I don't want to watch Rodgers do ayahuasca on camera. <laughs> Um, go with like Lamar, um, hell just do Kirk again. I want to see some more Cole's cash memes. Um, I'd love to see Kirk again, but assuming we don't do that. uh, Yeah. I mean, even like, even like, um, Jordan love in his first year as a starter might be, it would be very interesting to see, um, him crying in the shower after a loss, um, curled up in the fetal position. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think for sure Joe Burrow and uh, Baker Mayfield would be two of the ones that I did vote for. But then like having a third one in there as a surprise would be fine by me. How about you, Gar? Yeah, I'm thinking about it. I think someone like... I mean, obviously, super selfishly, I would like to see Herbert. Herbert's in the same class as Tua and Burrow, so he's young enough, still in that rookie contract. Um, so I would love to see Herbert as kind of the younger younger stud, certainly not to the same caliber of Mahomes, but I think Herbert would be good. Um, I think if you're trying to look for someone who's more similar to Kirk, you know, maybe a step below Kirk, but maybe someone like Dak or Derek Carr, I think would be interesting as more as that middle... Black Kirk Cousins. <laughs> That's what they say. I think that would be a very interesting middle tier option on teams that should be good. I think people have more faith in the Cowboys than the Saints. Cowboys will not win any playoff games, but they will you very usually get to the playoffs. Um and then I think someone like Jordan Love, I hadn't thought about that one, but I think Jordan Love would be very interesting. Um or Daniel Jones, or there was one other person I thought of and I forgot. Um it doesn't really matter. Um, so I, I will stick with like um, Davis Mills or Jordan Love or someone like that. Um, do, we, do we stick? Do we go with uh, Jared Goff just so we could have MCDC on camera all the time? <laughs> I would love that. Um, but yeah, I think I you know I'm not, I'm down for Jared Goff as well. But I think he'd be in the same like Kirk Cousins, um, 
Derek Carr arena. So I'll go. I'll go yeah. with. I'll go with. Uh, I'll go with my official answer will be Justin Herbert, Derek Carr, and Jordan Love because I really like that Jordan Love answer, honestly. So, um, not that he needs any more cameras on him, but we can move on. I will take this time to move on. Josh, you already touched on running backs, and it was another bullet point here on the list, both in real life and in fantasy. The running back market, the running back landscape is changing dramatically. Since we're still talking about fantasy right now, we'll talk about that first. Um, I was just watching a mock draft show today, and I think the first round was maybe... I don't know. Let's say it was 12 teams. I think it was probably, like you said, about eight wide receivers to maybe four, three running backs, and then a tight end or something. Maybe Kelsey's, you know, stuck into the first. Um, but, you know, do you, you said in PPR leagues that should be the case. And half point PPR, or do you think just in general people are trusting um, running backs less? Or what do you think are big contributing factors to that trend of just, you know, running backs not being the first six picks off the board like it used to be back, back in my day? Um, I mean, I feel like it's it's got a lot to do with the fact that um, it's all teams are running back by committee now. Like you're seeing, um, I mean, I guess the the big one was you know it's no longer the case, but in Cleveland, uh, Nick Chubb, Cream Hunt. You know, I would draft Cream Hunt in round ten, and he would put up solid numbers for the games that he plays. It's it, and then um, round 10 is probably too late for that but um <laughs> i get what but you then mean. you see like um there's only one or two bell cows and it's like derrick henry and i guess i don't know i wouldn't consider cmc a bell cow in san fran's lineup when he was in carolina yeah um saquon might be um but but everybody else is kind of leaning towards that you know running back by committee even aaron jones is a 50 percent less than that ball carrier now so they, they like the fresh legs aspect, and, and I think that that's why wide receivers are getting a little bit more of a look because it's a pass-friendly league, and um, you get the number one guys who are going to be the number one guys. I mean, okay, so let's let's put you a hypothetical. Let's say you got the first the first overall pick or second overall pick. You're a super early pick this year. It's a half-point PPR league, so not full-point PPR, so maybe it's a little, a little closer for you. Um, so let's say you're the first overall pick. Do you take CMC? Do you take, you know, one of those bell cows and secure them? Or do you go Justin Jefferson, Cooper Cup, Jamar Chase, try your kill, someone like that? What do you do if you're first overall? I would be extremely, extremely tempted to take Justin Jefferson first overall in all of my leagues. Unless, well, I guess the Champions League where it's super flex, I wouldn't, but... Um, that's a different conversation. Um, Champions League no longer super flex, by the way. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. All right. But anyways, I, I know what you mean. But yeah, so that's kind of where I am leaning is is kind of Justin Jefferson. I'm, you know, I've always been wide receiver friendly. I actually pulled up the stats that in our Hidden Oaks League uh, since like 2000, uh, it might be 2014. I've had Devontae Adams every year except 2015. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. And just because that's just how the draft board usually falls. It's like I'm in the eighth. I'm in that middle slot, and I'll usually take him there. Interesting. Okay, but so you'd be super tempted to take Justin Jefferson. Let's say hypothetically, this this hypothetical is, you know, couldn't, couldn't work out in reality, but let's say the second overall pick, and somehow... Um, Justin Jefferson and CMC are both gone. Obviously, that's not how it works. Or we could say you're the third overall pick, and those two players are gone. Then what do you do? Uh, then it would be, you know, then I'd probably be looking at like a... Um, oh, that's a good one. 
I know. That might be a good spot for it. I mean, I know I said that only three running backs would be gone, but I mean, Saquon with his year last year, wanting Josh Jacobs. <laughs> Do you mean that? No. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's just it is just an interesting conundrum, though. So we're really we're really starting to debate, like, you know. What are running backs worth these days? And I think that's interesting. And that is kind of a good segue to the next part of our conversation. We're seeing kind of much more of a huge, like, I, I like to look at them as humans because I think so many people, especially in fantasy, but just football fans in general, you know, at least, you know, if you spend a lot of time on the internet like I do, and the running backs keep getting paid in less and less, and they're one of the few positions, or maybe the only position, maybe maybe linebackers was another, but, the, you know, the franchise tag is actually going down. Running backs are getting paid less and less. They're running back by committee, all this and that. And every you know internet bro that's taken one econ class like that's just the free market bro you're easily replaceable duh, duh, duh. um but you know a lot more and more of these running backs are starting to get fed up with the landscape of the running back market and i guess you know generally before i ask you or i have a couple more specific questions but generally what do you feel about that what do you feel about the role of the running backs i think you and i would both agree as people with good football knowledge that the running back is an important position um but certainly these bell cow type players, you know, are not, uh, they're not getting that premium they once, once used to. So how do you feel about, you know, the, the landscape of the NFL, the landscape of running backs in the real NFL? And, you know, do you think anything should be done about it? Or that's just the way it is? Or how do you feel about the whole deal? Well, I mean, that's just the free market, bro. That's just how it goes. <laughs> no. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously it's a interesting thing. I think I had heard something on the radio, like the two, the two positions that are being like undervalued are like the contracts are kind of at the all time low in comparison to previous years when it comes to like percentage of the cap is running back and middle linebacker. And that's because it's switched to such a speed friendly pass or speed pass friendly league that those are the uh, two positions that suffer because middle linebackers are no longer their own stuffers. They're, they got to be able to cover and then, you know, if they're middle linebackers, they're usually not that kind of guy. I'm thinking AJ Hawk, whose coverage abilities is absolutely zero. Um, <laughs> and then, um, but then, you know, they're good for stuff in the run and, and they're not running the ball, which is another reason why. So those two are kind of locked in, but that's also why you're seeing wide receivers get paid so much and corners get paid so much um, because those are the, those are like the prime you know, you want corners to be locked down and you want wide receivers to get open. And so um, we may see it, you know, I don't know if we'll ever see a shift back based on the the way the game is protecting quarterbacks. Um, it's kind of sad, but at the same time, um, these guys, these running backs are expecting to get paid like bell cows, but they're in a committee. They ain't running more than 50%. Ditch, ditch, ditch. No, I mean, you bring up good points. Yeah, I, I know I, I certainly, you know, I let my, my own opinions come through pretty strongly there. At least, you know, I get annoyed with a lot of econ bros on the internet. Because um, I'm, you know, I have an economics degree, or at least I, I major in economics. So I like to think I understand things a little bit better than they do. But anyways, um, what, what do you think about proposals? I guess, what are you, some, some of the suggestions I've seen online to try and help the human aspect? Because, you know, I'm someone who's always been a pro player over the billionaire. Like in the millionaires versus billionaires fight, um, the billionaires have always won the PR battle. And, you know, so many humans are like, these guys get played millions of dollars to play a game. Like, just shut up and be happy. Um, but I've, I'll always be pro player. Um, just on a personal standpoint. Um, so Thanks, some of the, Pat. yeah, exactly. Uh, hey man, he, he was in the NFL. He's, you know, I got to trust the experts. I have no idea what it's like to be in the NFL. Um, 
But um, so based on that and based on, you know, that kind of mindset, some of the proposals I've seen is that in the new, you know, in the new CBA, running back should, well, I guess here, I've been rambling a lot tonight already, but just to give a little bit of background, kind of what happens is a a running back gets drafted and rookie contracts are four years. And then you have a fifth year option um, for the first round. So that's already, that's a good chunk of their shelf life. And then um, a running back can be, if they, you know, let's just say they have four years, let's say they have a four year deal, then you can get franchise franchise tagged twice for which is only a one-year deal no long-term guaranteed money thing like that and then that's it you know most people would say the shelf life of a running back is probably six years or less and so the running back really never has almost any control in their fate because the franchise tag you know they they, they lose that leverage and they lose that control uh, other than you know just not signing it or sitting out or whatever which we're starting to see now with potentially saquon barkley and josh jacobs right now we saw lev bell sit up before um but so one of the proposals I've seen based on that, you know, based on that background is the new CBA, maybe give running backs a bit of a carve out, let their co- rookie contracts be a max of three years and then no franchise take so they can have a better, you know, they have a better chance to try and market themselves. Um, so I guess based on a proposal like that, do you, would you like to see a change like that? Or how would you as a football fan feel about that? Um, you know, the CBA treating running backs a little bit different just because from a, you know, from a human standpoint, they seem to be continuing to be under and undervalued relative to the rest of their team what would you think about something like that i i think that that would be a issue for a lot of like i think that other positions would start to get in that mix because you know obviously the sooner they get to a contract year the sooner they can get more money and so then you'll be hearing like from the um then you'll be hearing from the middle linebackers and then you'll be hearing from you know the wide receivers and i just think that that's like a rabbit hole we don't want to go down as far as just overall football goes um on the human standpoint i could see exactly why it's their benefit but then i'm also thinking like if that were to happen then the we would not see running backs drafted in like the first two rounds it would it would become you know we're not going to draft a guy with this high of capital for that little of time because who knows what happens after the two three years whatever that contract length is and they want to draft somebody that you know in the first round is a potential five round or five-year player um and so I think that that's where it gets a little murky. Um, that's, but I mean, at the same time, you know, we can't have these names, these big names, these big players sitting out because they feel undervalued. Um, and so if there's some sort of alternative to it where, you know, maybe they um, relook at the franchise tag and how that's given out because, I mean, it's the, what, average of the top five in that position. Yeah, something like that. So what if they were to do like a historical, like, you know, average of the top five overall, that sort of thing. Um, and then, or, you know, top 72 overall, I don't know, pick a number overall. Sure. Um, so that, that way, would be you know, a higher that way you're, salary yeah, you're looking at, yeah, you're looking at something closer to, cause I mean, you look at, was it AP that got a huge contract? That's probably yep. more than what people are getting paid now. Um, For sure. CMC's got a huge one. Yeah. Todd Gurley got a huge one. So then, so then it's like, okay, we don't want to franchise tag this guy, but we want him here. So we're going to have to be a little bit more um, flexible with what we pay. Um, I've always been a, I guess I haven't always, but I've always thought, well, I haven't always been on board with this, but I've always <laughs> kind of thought it'd be cool, if that makes sense. Sure, go ahead. Um, if all contracts were like incentive based and so you know they have like a maximum percentage that they could hit based on their incentives that they accomplish um but then they also have like a minimum so you know if they're 
they have their minimum salary that they could get paid. But then, you know, let's just say, you know, $10,000 a touchdown, that sort of thing. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. I think it would be fun to see, but impossible to accomplish. No. Yeah. I mean, that would, I mean, players would not, players would never want all incentive based contracts. They would certainly want a healthier base, a healthier minimum. Oh yeah. I I understand what you're saying. It would be interesting to see how players added to, at least from like a psychology or again, an economic standpoint, it'd be interesting to see how different players behave or how different players handle business when everything is heavily incentive based versus, you know, more of a mix or, you know, more of a base guarantee push these days. So it would be fun. The scores of some of those games, like it would be (laughs) okay. So we're going to take a knee here. Like hell we are. Exactly, the players. Players cause rebellion. Be like, I got a hundred grand if I get this touchdown here. You think I'm taking a knee, brother? Um, <coughs> that'd be hilarious. Um, but yeah, and then some other suggestions I've seen to help out the RBs if maybe not a you know, uh, um, uh, you know, shorten their contract length, just have raised the floor of that position because I think the average salary across the league, which of course there's only a couple top dogs, there's a and there's a bunch of filler or bubble guys, but the average salary for a running back, or at least a starting running back, was like $2 million or something a lot lower than you think it would be. Um, so it's just, yeah, it's just running backs are certainly in a state right now, and especially with the larger global picture, or not global picture, but national picture of, you know, we have the Hollywood writers, Hollywood actors, all those people are going on strike, unions are coming much more back into fashion, collective bargaining, all this and that. So I think, I don't think we'll see it ultimately because there's so many people who need to get paid. Um, there's so much life-changing money on the table. But like if there was a, there, the only way for the running backs to make a mass change is they would have to collectively sit out. Like you would have to see the 10 top dogs or eight of the 10 top dogs or like so many running backs get together and either literally sit out or do a quote-unquote work slowdown like josh you know an example i can relate to you we saw that in scrubs when you know carl and all the nurses did like a grand slowdown so they're like show up to work but then you know they work very slowly right so the running backs would either just you know they'd go out there and take a take a handoff and fall or they would you know they would just they would show up to work quote-unquote go through the motions but you know they you know they wouldn't be satisfying anyone or they'd just be benched and all this and that so that's the only way we could see a change but i think it'd be really neat to see something like that to see collectively the running backs get together and try and stand up um you know whether you agree with them or not i think it'd be interesting to see them try and you know get quote-unquote treated better i know they're millionaires playing a game getting paid lots of money but relatively i think if you were the running backs position trying to put yourself in their shoes it would be very interesting to or yeah i think you'd be much more empathetic to their position um and i know it's yeah. tough with the oh sorry go ahead no i was just i was agreeing with you okay um and i think it's tough because in a salary cap game it's a zero-sum game so if one position gets paid more um the other position gets paid less relatively unless you keep everyone's percentages the same all the time and then the salary cap does go up over time so people could get paid more money but if you're you know on a, on a percentage basis if you're getting more percentage someone else is getting less so it's it's, it's a tough situation all around for sure but Adam, I'll always be pro-human, pro-labor. Um, I shouldn't say always because that is probably a new trend for me in the past three or four years. But going forward until I have reason to believe otherwise, that's kind of the human I'll be. So it's just interesting to see because they just recently had what Austin Eckler hosted like a Zoom call and had like eight eight or ten starting running backs on there. And one of them did talk about like, you know, not, not faking injuries, but like really nursing or hamming up injuries um so you know the running backs getting together and talking about it will they ever execute something like that probably not but you know they're certainly making noise to try and get taken seriously and it'll be interesting to see over the next year or two if the running backs do anything to try and better their situation or not 
Yeah, and so um, they're they're more so like not necessarily the overall contract number, but the guaranteed money since we've seen that get tossed out everywhere. Correct. Yep. Okay, so yeah, I'm I'm looking at overthecap.com, yep. uh, which has like contract information, and so the running back contract history. Um, Zeke has the most. Um, that was just because Jerry Jones was fanboying over him. Um, right. Todd Gurley's. Um, so yeah, Zeke at fifty mil. Todd Gurley's at forty five mil. Uh, Christian McCaffrey's 36 mil. Adrian Peterson's 36 mil. Um, Le'Veon Bell was 35. Alvin Kamara, 34. Um, but then when you're looking at the average cost or the you know the average per year um, as a percent of the cap at signing, um, 8% for Zeke, 8% for Gurley, 8% for CMC, 11.8 for AP, uh, 7 and 7 for um, like the rest. And so those are, you know, and those Pretty. are the biggest names. Yeah, those are the biggest names. Um, if you want to look at kind of like the inflated value, uh, well, now I'm just now I'm just kind of lost in all this thing. But the inflated value for um, guarantees, um, you go back to Barry Sanders, his guarantees um, back in 1997. So the inflation value, he was a 16 percent of the average per year, um, 73 guaranteed. Um, AP in 2011, 67 guaranteed. Um, that's the one that we had talked about. Zeke, so he's still in the top three. Reggie Bush, I didn't even know he got was worth that much, but 58 million. Um, Emmett Smith, 57 million. Todd Gurley's there. Um, so yeah, you're you're seeing some of those same names in the top 10, 11, 12, but most of these running backs, as far as with the inflation in there, um, are early 2000s, 90s. So yeah, we're we're not we're seeing a kind of shift back. Um whereas with wide receiver it's, you know, 14%, 15%, that sort of thing. Yeah, one of the there's a couple of tweets that we could move on here in a sec, but one of the couple of tweets I've seen that have really made waves. I forget his name's like Matt something, Matt Miller, Matt Mike Wheel? something. So I, sure, I don't know. Um but there was a tweet I think it said and he was like here's the strategy or here here's how to here's how to do RBs. Draft an RB. If they're good, um, take, franchise take them for one year. Rinse and repeat. So it's just, I mean, that's, so it's just like the cycle. Draft an RB cheap. Tag them if they're good for a year. Cut them. Draft an RB. And so that made some waves. And then Austin Eckler also made a tweet. He's like, when I see someone like Hunter Renfro, a backup wide receiver, making more money than me, a starting running back who has, you know, all these touchdowns, all these stats, I don't know how much he bragged about himself or not. But he's basically saying, I'm a starting running back. I do all these things. Hunter Renfro, backup wide receiver. That guy makes more money than me. That pisses me off. And so it's just, you know, there's always going to be, there's not, you know, the mar the market's never going to be perfect. Um but uh, so those are just some tweets that have really, really taken some of the internet by storm. So that's interesting. But um, we can move on. I don't really have a good segue into this next bullet point, but it's definitely come up for me because I'm I'm uh, the commissioner of the league, and I've been thinking about this. And you just saw one of the one of the sheets today, and uh, there hasn't really been much suggestions. One I'll talk to you about in a sec for the Hidden Oaks League, but it's rule change season, um, and the segment start time is we'll just say it's 38:55. Um, but for me, as the commissioner of a bunch of leagues, it's rule change season, and so I'm, you know, I'm getting those texts sent out. And you know, fantasy doesn't really, really invent the wheel, reinvent the wheel that often. Sometimes cool new additions come up, but not too much. I think this year I'm most excited about decimal scoring for kicking. 
Um, but Josh, thinking about you know rule changes for fantasy, you know we're pretty honed in our leagues at this point. We're pretty static. But any rule changes you like to see out there? Anything you wish would be an option for more leagues? Um, you know, what do you, when you think about fantasy, which do you think would be some cool rules that we currently have that you enjoy, or some you would really like to see in the future? I don't know. Um, I do wish that uh, I will not name the Victoria's Secret League in this, but I do <laughs> okay. wish that they would um, update to a more conventional s- scoring instead of what they, uh, what the mass majority of people can call standard is no longer standard. Sure. Uh, I wish they'd update to uh, PPR, half PPR, tiered PPR would be ideal. Um, kind of, kind of that tiered PPR would kind of be easy for the old timers that are just absolutely against it walters um but uh <laughs> i do i do think that might be my only uh, gripe is that um i still have to you know factor in standard leagues when it comes to um when it comes to draft boards i have to have two different sets of um plans because i can't do one for all of them <laughs> sure um yeah, and I, I I hear what you're saying. I guess one one thing that came up with Al, I think he I don't know if it was in the Discord chat or you know text message between him and I, but he had cause, you know if something we've adopted in the last couple of years in a couple of leagues is an extra game against the median where if you're in the top half of scoring you get a win you call it double headers if you if you're in the bottom half of the league you get a loss. Um, one thing Al proposed that I thought would be interesting is the kind of a very similar concept. You have your head-to-head matchup, and that's a win or loss. But then it's best ball versus just against the median. So if you would have won your same matchup in a best ball format, you get another win. Or um, if you would have lost in the best ball, you get another loss. Do you think that would be interesting, or do you think that just um, hurts the better teams? Or what do you think about a, a setup like that? Because I thought it was an interesting idea. I'd never do it by hand. But if it became a setting, I'd certainly try it someday. I was I was just gonna say that I would say like I'd probably vote yes for something like that if it were like doable without human error as a possibility. Um, but if it's something that you have to do by hand, then it's just like I'm not gonna make somebody take that time to go through all the rosters and do that unless it's me going through it and I get to cheat. There you go. Um, okay, yeah, and I, I didn't think this was gonna be a big bullet point because I wasn't sure how many points I would how many things we could talk about. But one thing I want to talk about you—it's almost like an uh, almost like a live production meeting or a live league discussion because I haven't gotten a single like usually in the years past I always get some suggestions on how to improve the Hidden Oaks redraft league and this and that, and I haven't gotten a single note from anyone yet this year. And the only thing I'm thinking about tweaking is the kicking scoring rules um, because I do see now it's an option for decimal kicking scoring and I. I think I've always enjoyed that just because a 40-yard field goal is not the same as a 49-yard field goal in my mind, and they get scored the same. Um, but unfortunately, ESPN, at least I haven't seen it yet, they don't have the option like Sleeper does um, where you can add, you know, you have the option to just do a straight, you know, point point per yard of a field goal. So you do like point one point per yard. But Sleeper has it broken out, so you can do a straight-up point per yard or point per yard after 30 yards. So for me, I think a field goal, if you kick a field goal, that should automatically be three points. Um, and then you know you get decimal scoring above that. Um, so if they kicked a, a 35 yarder, that'd be 3.5 points, right? Um, but ESPN doesn't have that option. They just have either scores for field goal made within ranges or you know decimal scoring. Um, so I guess I would be curious what would you would think about a situation where you know we 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 changed field goal minimums to like two points you get two point every kicker gets two points for a field goal made but then they get also decimal scoring um so you know again i couldn't cut it off at a certain point it would have to be you know every single yard counts as a point or a decimal of a point um 
But so let's say, I don't know, two points for a field goal and then point, oh, 0.1 points per yard. So then a, well, that would be what a, a 20 yard field goal would be four points. How, you know, that something like that appealed to you. I guess I'm trying to find that balance between giving the kickers their fair points for scoring football points, but then balancing it with the decimal scoring of yardage. What would you, how would you feel about something like that? Or what would you suggest? I mean, I would be fine with, I don't, I guess I don't know why straight decimal would be, or why three wouldn't be the baseline for straight decimal. I do like the after 30, it's decimal. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. That's a tough one. I'd, I'd be interested. It would be interesting to see kind of how it goes. That might be a Champions League rule make. I guess I didn't see it in the uh, in the vote, but no. I mean, I, I called it out in the Champions League for sure, and I, then that's exactly where we would go. Is it would be you know decimal scoring after thirty yards, but ESPN doesn't have that option, unfortunately. So I'm saying if we wanted to, that's why oh. I, I brought it up. So it's like in ESPN because they don't have the after thirty yard option, which is stupid. ESPN is they have lagged behind in options for years. But, you know, and we don't have to make that change this year, but I just I think decimal scoring is cool. So I'd be curious how we would try and find that balance. And do you make just a field goal worth one point? So then a 10-yard field goal in total would be worth two points, but then a 25-yard field goal would be worth, you know, three and a half points. It, it's well, tough. There's no such thing as a 10-yard field goal, Gar. Why not? Because the end zone's 10 yards deep. I mean, okay, well, whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean, though. Like a, a shorter field goal relative to a longer field goal. Yep, I don't. Um. So yeah, okay. And we, I mean, we can we can put that out to the league as well. We don't have to make the change this year. I'm just I'm excited about decimal scoring and kicking. So I would like to make that change. But what do you do? Um. Okay. And then we did have a question from Walters. We will get to that last here, and then we will get out of here. But we might talk about this for a good bit as well. Walters in the chat asked us about draft. Oh fuck! All right, cutting back to the future. We are now back. To the- we are now back to the end of the podcast, and the timestamp can say the same because I'm just moving one section to another, so the timestamps are the same. But on to Walters' question because we love our fans and we answer their questions. <coughs> Josh, draft prep. Um, Walters asked, here, I'll, I'll read it exactly just so I, I don't want to misquote Walters. How do you, <clears throat> quote, how do you prepare for drafts? Question mark. Do you use rankings as a Ten Commandments or as a loose guide? And so, Josh, you know, obviously you and I are seasoned fantasy pros at this point. So I think our answer would be very different from someone who's starting out or someone who's more so new to it. So I want us to answer this question from kind of two different standpoints. What do you genuinely do as Josh Mitchell today? Do you follow rankings pretty strictly or are you a little bit more loosey-goosey with it? And then also, um, let's say you're giving advice to someone you genuinely like, you genuinely care about. You know, I know sometimes we give people bad advice if we're competing against them. But if you were to give someone genuinely good advice, what would you tell someone who's new to fantasy how would you, how would you tell them to approach it so we'll start we'll both we'll go back and forth we'll both give our real answer how we would do it today and then we'll go back to the other one so josh how do you use rankings of the 10 commandments you a little bit more loosey-goosey um a little bit more loosey-goosey um i do I, I do like so i'll do the positional breakdowns and then sort of um look at more of the tiers as opposed to players themselves. So I don't, I try not to, I try not to get caught up in names. Um, obviously, so you know, 
I, I obviously I need to know the names of the players, but um, I try not to differentiate or I try to think about situation as well as kind of their their overall like value to the team and value overall. Um, and so like when you're looking at guys like um, you know Devonte Adams, even or in the even now at the Raiders, um, last year he was a wide receiver two in PPR, wide receiver three, um, and because he was like their only wide he's like their only wide receiver and their run game was solid so he had more opportunities to get open um so he's he's got that value and but so then but then he's not like he's considered old he's on a team where his quarterback's question mark which has been the case for a while i guess uh, depending on if you're a rogers hater or not um <laughs> sure and so like is he going to be drafted earlier than say like Cooper cup or is he going to be drafted earlier than Tyreek Hill or Deandre Hopkins or, you know, guys like that who kind of would fall in that same kind of tier of player um, probably kind of between those two. Um, I don't know. I look more at the value of the player as opposed to just the name and the ranking itself. Sure. Um, I, I'd give a similar answer. I think, you know, I don't know if it was you or if I just saw it on the internet at a similar time, but I have really also gotten into the tiers thing. Um, you know, I, you know, giving maybe a little bit more info than I would want against, you know, all the people that listen to this would, are competing against me in fantasy, but I really love breaking things down by tier. Um, I think that really has helped me kind of know like what you know where because i think back in the past i used to always struggle with okay do i want my third running back do i want my second wide receiver what's really the value difference so then breaking down things into tiers be like well this running back is still in the tier two but this wide receiver would be tier four it's kind of like all these different things it's like it really helps me ground myself in how i'm approaching my draft um and I, one great addition i know we both use i don't know if i was using it before you or we started using it the same year i don't think we ever talked about it much maybe just trying to keep our competitive edge but since it's not out this year because the guy's not doing it this year i think i can talk about it and hopefully we'll forget about it by next year but you and i have i know really loved beer sheets and i think the guy who puts the stats together for beer sheets has done a really really good job and so um you know I, that that's something he breaks it down by tier he'll give you values he'll give you auction values he'll give you all these different things and so i would say since the introduction of beer sheets i have stuck closer to the rankings whereas in the past i was probably much more loosey-goosey because beer sheets will not be available this year i'll probably going back to be a little bit more loosey-goosey but with beer sheets i think unless there was someone's situation i really hated i would maybe eliminate a couple guys for myself otherwise i would strict i would stick pretty closely to the beer sheets rankings because they had, they had just done so well for me over the past couple years so uh, that's kind of my two-pronged answer but because beer sheets aren't available this year again i'll be loosey-goosey i think um but then moving on josh to you know let's say i don't know if it's a cousin of yours a family member just this hypothetical person that you generally care about maybe they'll be in a different league so you don't you know you, so you feel pretty good about giving them super genuine advice how would you recommend kind of a rookie or a starter or someone with the skill level of walters how would you recommend they approach fantasy football as opposed to how you do it since you have so many years of comfortability and experience and would they be different or would they be the same well, first off, Walters is going to come back with, I want a championship I know, I, that was, I know. That was a very intentional joke. Yep. Um, but uh, I guess as far as for advice for somebody new, I would just say try not to try not to get too caught up in like positional like like uh, streaks because you'll see this run on quarterbacks. You'll see the run on, you know, tier two, tier three players. 
Um, let's see the run on. Sometimes you'll see the run on kickers and defenses before the last round or the last three rounds. Um, but then basically just kind of you know fill your fill your like starting three or your starting two running back wide receiver. Um, if it makes sense, don't like you don't need to get caught up in I don't have a start or a second running back yet, or I don't have a second wide receiver. If that's just how the draft board falls, um, I try to give that conversation in Akita every once in a while. Um, she does better. She she's not like her team. I always like her team coming out of the draft because she does well round drafting, um, or it works out well for her. Um, but there have been, you know, I think back to my past years where I've done just trying to fill my starting lineup. I'd probably left players on the draft board that would have contributed a whole lot more than my second wide receiver or my whole, a whole lot more than my second uh, um, running back um, just because I was so caught up in, oh, I need to have my starting lineup. Um, so, yeah, I would not uh, I would not feel left out if you're starting to, if you do it online or you do it on like Sleeper or something, you see that you have a starting running back not there, but you have your flex filled already with your third wide receiver and then you have a wide receiver on the bench. That's okay. Gotcha. And then so maybe just bringing it back to the original question, I guess, would you would you recommend a rookie or someone with a lower skill level or whatever, would you recommend they strict closer to the rankings then? So let's say the rankings are telling them to take four wide receivers because there's been in your league, there's been a streak on the running backs or run on the running backs. So and what I'm hearing you say is that they should stick closer to the rankings then. Um, and then it's okay to take four wide receivers and one running back kind of in that order if that's how the draft board falls. Or would you still recommend they go loosey goosey? Again, just trying to get back to the question of, you know how closely do you follow the rankings or should you yeah, i would say yeah i would say stick to the rankings a little bit more until you kind of get a feel for what you're doing so you know stick to the rankings but maybe not uh, um, maybe not like a generic ranking like the espn ones or anything out there like if the beer sheets were around that would be a good one to stick to obviously yeah. um if you have there are some out ones out there where it's like a um like a group and it shows like the kind of the um average draft position and, and how it can vary so so then you could see like sometimes you know in that three to five three to ten range or not three to ten that's too big of a gap but like that three to six range you know maybe three of those four of those guys are all drafted in at like at their average draft positions four or five or four point five or five but you know that's how the ranking works so it's like it doesn't matter between those ones. And so later on, you know, it'll show like the um, standard deviation. That's what I was looking for. Ooh, good word. It's two words, dumbass. I said good word, words, fuck off. You know what I mean? Don't be so mean to me, Josh. I'm going to cry. Um, Sorry, Gar. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but yeah, to, to, and then so to give my answer, I think I would, I would recommend very similar. I would say if for a beginner, someone at a lower skill level or just less experienced, I shouldn't even say lower skill level necessarily, because I think plenty of fantasy is luck whether people like to admit it or not. Um, I think I would recommend the same thing. I think I would say I would say stricter to the rankings. I would definitely wouldn't tell them to reach on a quarterback necessarily, but I think for someone who's you know has less experience, I think I would highly recommend they take a quarterback maybe earlier than some people would recommend. Um, so that might be the one point where I tell them to deviate from the rankings for uh, just a bit. But I think someone who's playing fantasy who's a beginner has less experience. I think they would have a much harder time 
playing that waiver wire, trying to play that game with, you know, who, who's the best quarterback or trying to pick up a new quarterback every week or every two, three weeks. It's like, I think someone who's more of a beginner, they would, their life would be so much easier as having a set and forget quarterback, except for a bye week or an injury or something. Um, so I think I would, I would stick with you. You know, I would say stick to the rankings, but I think for someone, you know, earlier on, I think I would all, I would say get a quarterback earlier if you can, um, unless they're super far down the rankings. I think they would just benefit from not having to play that switch around game every week. And then I think the base advice I always give to everyone, regardless of skill level, is at the end of the day, you should take your guys because fantasy is going to be, you know, fantasy is going to be way more enjoyable if you like your team versus you drafted someone you don't really even like, but you thought you had to because of the rankings. Um, so, yeah, I would, you know, rambling a lot, but stick to the rankings as best you can, but maybe get a quarterback early and ultimately pick the guys you want on your team and you'd be happy watching week in and week out. Because if there's nothing worse than losing with guys you didn't want on your team anyways. So that's kind of how I feel about it. But uh yeah, Josh, we somehow filled out an hour. How do we feel? How do we always we always say it's gonna be a simple show, just a couple bullet points and we almost prolifically always get to an hour some way, somehow. Um but how do you feel about the show? Do you feel like it was a good show? Yeah. Um, I don't know if you'd seen it on uh, on the whole Reddit sphere yet. It's been out for a few hours. But it says the reason Jordan Addison was going 140 miles an hour last <laughs> week was due to an emergency with his dog. I did see that. I did see that. Yep. I did. did you see that the top comment is, is he going to go on the pup list? <laughs> I didn't see that. What are the comments? Yeah. One of the comments I had saw was that um, the, the most classic excuse in the book or whatever, you know, like the um, like the dog ate my homework or the dog, whatever. I was like, yeah, dude, blaming your dog. That is that is peak classic excuse. I thought it was funny. But uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm just curious as to like why it came out now and was the dog in the car with them? Because like if you have a medical emergency with your dog, wouldn't you bring it with you? Right, yeah, I think the... That's, yeah, I don't know if the dog was in the car or not, actually. Or if oh, he was re- shit, I forgot him! <laughs> exactly. Um, I don't know. I think it came out today or recently because that, like, the citation became public information, and so, like, the cop had filled it on the citation. The excuse was the dog. Um, so, you know, you would always love... So I don't think it's, like, a statement that Addison released today. You know, he didn't say more about it. I think it was that was written on the citation that became public information is what I'm assuming. Um but yeah, very interesting for sure. Um, but we, we thank everyone so much for listening. Within just a couple weeks here, we'll be back to weekly programming. We'll have to do our 272, or is that the right number? 272? I think it is. Is that that's the more that's the bigger number? Um, but anyways, yeah, we'll do yeah. our 272. We break it down AFC and NFC, so that'll be two different shows, so they're not quite as long. And then we'll have the, the Hood Draft special. We'll be grading the draft. And then we'll have our season predictions and the week one preview. And then we'll be right back into our normal scheduled programming. Um, so about mid-August, I guess I don't have an exact date for you, Josh, but the, if I just pull up the calendar for you and the folks, that'd be probably the week of August 15th. If we wanted to do one show a week, we would start that week, the you know second, third week in August, whatever you want to call it, second full week in August. Um, and then, yeah, I think we're going to stick to the two-show programming probably, do a Tuesday and a Saturday show or a, you know two shows a week, however it works out with our schedules, or do we want to go back to one, or how do you feel about that, deciding right now? I don't mind the two-in-one. Okay. Wait. You heard Naheem Hines was hit by a jet ski. I did hear that. He was just sitting still. Um, and wait, so to be clear, did you say you wanted to do just one podcast or you still want to do two? Because I, I was I confused. two in one. Two in one? What? Yeah, well, like the two in one week. 
Okay, okay. That's, you were very much confusing me, but still two podcasts a week. Okay, you got it. Two 30-minute podcasts a week. All right. Well, we'll see you in mid-August, folks. We, again, will appreciate you chatting along. If Josh and I had some horrendous takes um, today, we would love to see you roast us in the Discord. You know, all... Uh, all participation is good participation. Josh, go ahead and hit yourself that go pack, and then we will get out of here. Yeah, and I will say if you disagree with our takes, then I'm sorry you're wrong, but uh, go pack us. <laughs> All right. Thank you, everybody, so much for listening. I am probably not going to play the song because I can't get it up in time, or maybe I can. Um, I'll vamp. If I can get this up in five seconds, I'll let it go. Otherwise, I'll just cut the podcast off right about... like glue i made his dick hard and it grew his dick is so cool sucking on it right after school his dick is all covered in my drool